place it was dark as I was in just to get to this place None of these words be like a switchblade to a hater's rib cage And let it be known that from this day forward I wanna just say thanks Cause your haters what gave me the strength So let them fix raise Cause I came in 5'9 but I feel like I'm 6'8 This one's for you and me been up since four o'clock in the morning and for those of you out there who are new fathers or remember what it was like being a new dad there is nothing like sleep and there's nothing like trying to get sleep but I'm here to tell you that Killian and Brenda are doing really well and I would trade no sleep to have the most amazing baby boy and amazing wife in the world and I've been up since four o'clock in the morning and I've been thinking about something in the pinball world that's just been weighing on my mind because I've been receiving some indictments lately that I think I want to address head on. And I wanna do a little bit of a different pinball podcast right now and I hope you can go along on this journey with me because I think it's really important that I discuss this. Because I believe deep down fundamentally this is the very foundation of Canada's Pinball Podcast, what I wanna talk about. And I want to talk about my ability to freely express how I feel about pinball machines and pinball companies without the concern. And this is the indictment that when Canada speaks freely on his show, he does it with a total reckless disregard for the livelihood of the men and women who work in the pinball industry. And I want to talk about this because I think this is really important and I think this is the reason why this show is different from every other show that is out there. If this indictment were true, then some of the things I say on this show have to carry some consequence and some weight in the pinball world. That you would believe that something I say could actually negatively impact somebody's career and also negatively impact their ability to sell their games. Because I would say something that would make people not want to buy the game. On my show, I try to do reviews of games and I try to give you my impressions of a game when we first see it. And then I try to give you my feelings on a game after I jump on it. I also try to give you my opinions about a company's marketing strategy and the decisions they make. And by that, I mean the themes they choose to put into the marketplace. I mean when they decide to launch their games, right? That's also a marketing decision. Are you gonna launch your game when there are months of no launches or will you launch your game right after Godzilla or right after Mandalorian? That is an interesting thing to discuss because that will impact a company's ability to sell a game and to have sales success. And I noticed when I got into the pinball hobby and I got into the pinball podcasting world and I got onto the forum, there was always a division. There were those people that just loved pinball and loved everything pinball related. They loved playing pinball. They loved that there were new companies making pinball machines and they were never ever critical about anything that a pinball company did. They would give glowing reviews to games that weren't that great. They would support every single new pinball venture regardless of who was behind that venture. And I was around during all of it. There's a reason why John Papaduke took money. There's a reason why Andrew Highway got money. There's a reason why Kevin Kulik was given money. There was a period of time in which everybody was championing and celebrating every single new person that threw their hat into the pinball ring. Now, if you're getting into pinball now, people are a lot wiser, people are a lot smarter, and they are, and they are. And that is why only 122 Raza orders were placed. If Raza, if that prototype was marched out to Houston 
five years ago, they would have got way more orders, even without showing manufacturing, because back in the day, Kevin Kulik didn't show manufacturing. Andrew Highway didn't really show manufacturing. Nobody really showed manufacturing. It was just you showed up at a show with an empty box and a translate, and people were writing checks on the spot for $16,000 for Magic Girl, and nobody said boo about it. But we're different now. We're smarter now. And now we're a little bit more discerning. Now we look at these companies and these products with a little bit more skepticism, a little bit more cynicism. And the reason why we should be looking at these games with a little bit more of a fine comb is that these things are all now really expensive. And so if I think about my role in the pinball hobby and what Canada's Pinball Podcast is trying to do, it's very simple. My goal, my mission my objective on this show has never changed. I want to see the most amazing, magical, and wonderful worlds under glass delivered to us for the amount of money we are spending on these games. That is my singular mission statement. To look at every single new game through that lens and ask, are we getting a magical, wonderful world under glass? Are we getting that symphony, that orchestra in which the code and the mechs and the shots and the artwork and the music and the callouts all come together to create an experience that justifies the extraordinary high prices of these games? And I know there are some very, very rich men out there who collect pinball machines, who don't care because this much money means nothing to them. But the majority of people aren't that way. The majority of pinball buyers don't have multi, multi, multi millions of dollars to spend. They just don't. So when they buy something, they want to make sure they're getting the best possible pin they can get. So my show is looking at every new game through that lens. And I have to be completely honest. In my time covering the pinball hobby, the majority of games that do come out do not, if you ask me, they do not deliver this masterful, wonderful world under glass. They just don't. They just don't. And there are tons of apologists. There are tons of people who don't care. Some of them come very close. Some of them do come very close. But for the most part, if you were to ask me, like, are these companies, are they pushing the envelope of creativity? Are they putting new mechs that we haven't seen before into these games? Are they thinking of new design layouts we haven't seen before? Are they sculpting, right? Are they creating sculpts under the glass? Like, why is the sculpting underneath a pinball machine glass so bad when sculpting is not that expensive? It's they go cheap on some of this stuff. And one of the easiest ways to create that world under glass is with sculpts and molding and the use of plastic in creative and unique ways. Like take a game like Whitewater. Look at the boulders. Look at the way they sculpt it. Look at the Yeti toy. Look at all that stuff. If that was made today, most of that would just be flat plastic. We don't sculpt like that anymore. Why is it? It's not expensive to create a mold and make something like that. And I see companies like Mesomods, like look at the beautiful sculpts that Mesomods is planning for Godzilla. Go look at that. There is a Godzilla modification page. Mesomods has shown us what they plan to do in the game and it's absolutely epic. Now you're telling me, and I love stuff like that, and that's just what I think we should get out of the box for $10,500. 
We shouldn't have to buy additional mods, but I will be buying those Mezzo mods because they are going to make Godzilla look incredible. And look, it is fun. It is fun to add additional things to that world under glass. And I think the mod community is a very important community in the pinball world. But let me get back to the indictment that things I say on my show have a negative impact on the livelihood of the people who work in the pinball industry. And by that, I mean the designers, the artists, the manufacturers, the salespeople, the people on the line. And I want to tell you right now, it is not my responsibility as a pinball podcaster to protect the livelihood of anybody who works in the pinball industry. I also will not personally go on and attack anybody's livelihood in the pinball industry. What I will do is I will review a company's products and a company's games and a company's marketing decisions and a company's services and I will give you my objective opinion about those things and if what I say there might hurt that company's perception or might hurt people's perception of a game, I'm allowed to do that. And that's not going to hurt the livelihood because nobody has ever, in the five and a half years I've been pinball podcasting, nobody has ever lost their job because of something Canada said. Nobody has ever received a pay cut because of something Canada said. The only person whose livelihood has ever been under attack and ever been threatened has been my own. And you know those stories, and I'm not going to go down that road again. But here's where I take offense to that indictment of me. If you are in control of a pinball company, and you work at a pinball company, your livelihood, your destiny is in your hands. Every decision you make, every decision you make, whether it's you want to do this theme, you want to design the game this way, you want to have this music in it, you want to have this art in the game, all of those decisions, all of the hundreds and thousands of decisions that go into making each pinball machine is under your control. So your livelihood, whether you want to be successful or a failure, whether you want to make millions or make nothing, none of that is being controlled by me. So I want everybody to realize that, that I have no control over these people's livelihoods. So for example, Zombietti's livelihood is his artwork. And Zombietti's livelihood lately has been doing artwork for Stern Pinball. And look at the work that he's put into his games. Zombietti's artwork is phenomenal. You could put Godzilla next to almost every single pinball machine in the history of pinball machines and it looks better than 99% of them. And look at the detail and the attention and the hard work he put into his livelihood. And nothing I say on this show is going to change that. And look at how people are celebrating his work. And I can tell that Jeremy Packer is someone that takes his livelihood seriously and he works really hard to give the best possible thing he can give. And he's in control of his livelihood. If he decided to just mail it in on a game and not apply much effort, we would see it and the sales would probably reflect it. So Jeremy Packer's livelihood is in his own hands, literally, as he draws the most amazing art packages in pinball. Keith Elwin's livelihood is designing pinball machines. It's in Keith Elwin's hands. It's his destiny to create what he wants to create. And we know how his destiny is going. He is now the number one pinball designer in pinball today. He might be carving a path to be seen as the greatest pinball designer of all time. 
And I've played Keith Elwin's games, and I understand why people love Keith Elwin games. And so Keith Elwin's livelihood is in Keith Elwin's hands. And let's take someone like Steve Ritchie. He wakes up every day. His livelihood is making pinball machines. Steve Ritchie doesn't have to do another job. This is his job. Seven days a week, he gets paid to make pinball machines. And so when Steve Ritchie has so much time to make a pinball machine and he comes out with a game like Led Zeppelin and people are not happy, who hurt Steve Ritchie's livelihood? Was it me or you that doesn't like Led Zeppelin or was it him? He was in full control of that game. And I'm sorry, but I don't want to feel like I can't say I don't like Led Zeppelin because that might hurt Steve Ritchie's livelihood. If Led Zeppelin turned out the way it did, whose fault was it other than Steve Ritchie's, okay? And Steve Ritchie is now at JJP. So his livelihood, he's now making probably more money at Jersey Jack Pinball. So he might have failed up to a higher salary because his last few Stern games have been considered somewhat of design failures. But here's the good news for Steve Ritchie. He's once again in control of his own livelihood. And we all hope he makes a great game at Jersey Jack Pinball, but his success and his failure, if his games sell great, it's on him. If his games flop, it's on him. But there's going to be nobody to blame but Steve Ritchie. And he knows that. He's a grown man. This is his livelihood. He gets paid every day to wake up and make pinball machines. And that seems like a dream job. And so we'll see if he can control his livelihood and steer it in a better way over at Jersey Jack Pinball. And the same is true of Jerry Stellenberg over at P3 Multimorphic. Jerry Stellenberg has a different approach to pinball. He wants to see pinball go in a different platform direction. And that destiny and that livelihood is all in Jerry's hands. Now, Jerry's livelihood is backed up by his innovation. He made the P-Rock system, and that annuity from P-Rock is what has given him the freedom to continue to make P3 Multimorphic all these years. And that's his dream. And his livelihood is in his own hands. And whether or not I love what he's doing at P3 Multimorphic or I think it's a mistake and he should just make regular pinball machines and sell hundreds if not thousands of them, it doesn't matter what I say because he is in control of his own destiny. He's a grown man. He's a smart man. He's making decisions that he wants to make. Now, are those the decisions I would make if I were running a pinball company? Absolutely not. And I've said that on my show for many, many years. I would not go in that direction. I would want to give the market what the market wants. I wouldn't want to create a new market. Now, he's trying to create a new market within pinball. And I applaud that bravery but there's a high risk there and we're seeing it. Like he's not selling as many games as everybody else, but that's his dream and I respect his ability to go in that direction. Where my show gets difficult and where my show gets challenging is that I know that a lot of you out there want me to interview more people in the industry. And I had a great interview with David Fix. I had a great interview with Spooky Pinball and I could do great interviews left and right. I think nobody could interview people as good as me. And I think I keep it informal, I keep it casual, I keep it informative, and I try to ask the right questions, and I love doing it. But there's a huge problem, and this is the biggest dilemma of Canada's Pinball Podcast. When I do interviews with manufacturers, and when I build stronger relationships with them, it really does make it challenging for me to give you my honest opinions about their products because there are times when they will release stuff 
and they will make decisions that I just don't agree with. And I want to be as honest and as articulate and as opinionated as I want to because in the end, in the end, that game and what they put out into the world is their product. This podcast and what I create, and I work really hard at this podcast, this is my product. And so I want to ensure that my product is as good as it can be, that it's as honest as it can be, that it tells you exactly how I feel. And yes, there is no truth in pinball. All of this is subjective. I'm so tired of the people that indict me saying like, oh, when the truth comes out, truth bumps. The truth is this. This is the ultimate truth. You are never going to get someone's honest opinion about these games if they are selling you those games. And you know that. And I don't blame them. If, if I'm selling Oreo cookies and I don't like a new Oreo cookie flavor, I can't go on air and tell you I don't like it because I'm selling them for a living. A salesperson's job is not to give you an honest opinion about a product. A salesperson's job is to spin it and sell it and convince you that this is something you want. And the greatest salespeople, they can convince you that you want something that they know you don't need. And there is is no greater product on planet earth that everybody knows we don't need than a pinball machine and so pinball salespeople are kind of like sometimes the worst because they know when they call you up and they say hey i got this new pinball machine not only do you not need it your wife doesn't need it your kid doesn't need it it is the lowest thing on a human adult's priority list that you could possibly spend this kind of money on. And they know that and they wanna get you excited and they wanna remove your money from your wallet. And I love pinball salespeople because I know what they're selling and they know it's fun and they know it's not necessary, but it is fun and life is short and that's okay. But I don't want, I don't want my pinball salespeople to be reviewing the games for me because here's what they always do. It's always a great game. This is my favorite tactic that they do. I've only got one more left. Do you want it? We all know those distributors and those tactics. I've only got one more left. Do you want it? And then they call the next guy. I've only got one more left. Do you want it? And they know how to drive that FOMO. And some of my best friends in the pinball hobby are the salespeople, but there is no way they're going to be completely honest with you about these products. They want you to buy these things and that's okay. But my problem is, is when I interview the manufacturers and I get them on my show, there is this pressure I feel to then hold back a little bit. And so I put this on to you, the listener, and I know the answer you're going to give me. Would you rather have me interview all of these manufacturers and then hold back how I feel about these products? Or would you rather me just be me? and not worry about getting them on the show, not worry about interviewing them, not worry about that stuff. But here's where I think the middle ground lies. I still think the best thing for a manufacturer to do is come on this show and discuss their games with me and then also live up to my reviews of their products because I think it's a good thing that anyone making a pinball machine at a pinball company would say when they're planning a title, what would Canada say about this? What would Canada say about this design? What would Canada say about this theme? And I think if they ask that question, or better yet, 
get me to sign an NDA and come in and actually give them my opinions about this stuff far before they make decisions they can't change. That would be beneficial to almost every single pinball company out there. There is only one pinball company, and I mean this, there's one pinball company that does not need my help, and that is Stern Pinball. They are the most well-oiled machine. They know exactly what they're doing. They market their products perfectly because they know that if you make the right marketing decisions at the very beginning of a pinball process, which comes down to theme, if you nail that, if you get the theme right, you can sell almost anything. And they know that and they do it time and time again. There is nothing I could tell Jody Dankberg and tell Zach Sharp that they don't already know. And George Gomez is a smarter man than me. He is a much smarter man than me. I've sat down at a bar and I've talked to George Gomez and I am in awe of how intelligent he is. And I'm not a shill for Stern Pinball because nobody will tell you sooner than I will that Led Zeppelin is the most uncreative, unimaginative game I've ever seen and that Mandalorian lacks all of that magic and all of that world under glass that I talked about at the beginning of this show. And I will hold Stern Pinball accountable for every single new game they put out there. But the thing about Stern Pinball that I will always respect is they never stop giving us product. They always stay on schedule. And so I respect that. It's almost like they're saying, look, we're going to come out with four to five games a year and you tell us how it is. But I'll tell you this, we're never going to stop being the greatest pinball manufacturer on planet Earth because that's their livelihood. They will always have their livelihood as long as that line is moving, as long as the line is going and they do not have pauses, they will not interrupt their livelihoods. Nothing I say on this show will interrupt their livelihoods. If I rag on a Dwight Sullivan code, that's not going to interrupt Dwight's livelihood. He's still going to be gainfully employed at Stern Pinball, and everybody knows that. Now, do I feel like I could give valuable advice to all the other pinball manufacturers out there? Absolutely. Some would take it, some would not, but it's okay. It's okay. They're deciding what they want to do and what's best for their companies, and I'm sitting here, and I'm simply receiving what they do. But my ability to voice what they do and tell you without worrying about their livelihoods is super important to protect. And here's the most important part that all of you can relate to. There's one person's livelihood that matters more than all of their livelihoods, mine included, and that is your own livelihood. It takes a really, a really great livelihood to get to the point in life in which you can afford to buy these machines. The average, the average global household income around the world is less than $10,000. So all of you who are out there that are even listening to this, that are buying pinball machines on a monthly annual basis, you have done something right in your life. You've created a livelihood for yourselves that has put you in a position to even be able to spend this much money on such an unnecessary item. My show exists to help you out. I'm more concerned about making sure you make the right decisions with the livelihood that puts you in a position to buy these games. Because each and every one of you, and I mean this, I don't care how rich you are, how poor you are, you are making sacrifices when you buy a pinball machine and you could have used that money for something greater. 
for something better, for a greater good. You could have done something more with your family. You could have done something more for yourself. This machine and all these machines, and they don't want you to know this because the salespeople won't tell you this, these pinball machines will not make your life better. They will not make you a better human being. They're toys. They're toys that are meant to entertain us, and I love them, and you love them. But don't fool yourself for a minute. You could take that $10,000, and you could put it somewhere else in the world that would actually help out somebody's livelihood. You're not helping out people's livelihood by buying pinball machines. You're just not. And that's okay. And, and I mean this. If When you ask people outside of this hobby what they think these things cost, it's always alarming. Most people think a modern pinball machine is one to $2,000. When you tell them how much it costs, their eyes light up. And the reason why their eyes light up is because in their world, in the majority of people's lives, there is no way they would spend this kind of money on something like this with everything they have going on, with all of their expenses, with all of their bills, with all of the things they want to do, and just the things that they're into. They just could not imagine it. And that's okay. It's okay that we're in this niche little community. But I really take offense when people say that when I speak freely, I'm interrupting the livelihood. I'm putting in jeopardy the livelihood of these companies and the people who work there. Let's take a company like American Pinball. You know, they're going down a road that's going to be challenging. They're going to make two original IP games in a row. So their livelihood is now attached to that decision. I did not make that decision for them. They made that decision. Their next game is going to be Legends of Valhalla. It's confirmed. You heard it here. I have pictures. It's coming out. I did not make that decision. It's not on me to hold back how I feel about that decision. They made that decision. It wasn't Canada, and Canada should be allowed to say freely that I would not have made that decision. That if you want to succeed in the pinball marketplace, I don't think you can succeed with original IP games. And I have more proof and more data and more info that points in that direction. The most important thing, and the thing that doesn't lie in life, the thing that's not subjective, are numbers. And when you look at the numbers of what works in pinball, then how do you land at a place that we're gonna make original IP games and be commercially successful? So if this game succeeds, great, I hope it does. I hope this company succeeds and they move on. But if it fails, it's on them. If it succeeds, it's on them. None of it is on me. But I have the permission and the right to go on my airwaves and talk to each and every one of you and tell you I don't like going in that direction. I don't know how you convinced me to buy a game like Legends of Valhalla next to games like Guns N' Roses and Godzilla and Ultraman and Batman and Jurassic Park. As a salesperson, and this is the most important thing, as a salesperson, I need to be able to entice you to buy this. And that is why Stern is so smart. They don't even have to do that because they've picked themes that already have millions of fans that will jump at it regardless almost of what's in the game. Hence, Mandalorian sales are great. Hence, Ghostbuster sales were great. Here's the thing, and I want to speak directly to everybody who works at a pinball company whose livelihood is associated with a pinball machine. If you work at a pinball company and your livelihood has to do with a pinball product, it is in your hands. It is your destiny. If it's your livelihood, if I were in your shoes, and I'm gonna tell you this, I'm just gonna be completely frank. If I was in your shoes 
and my livelihood was making pinball machines. I would make sure that I didn't go to bed at night until my machines were perfect, until every single detail was right, until I landed on a theme I knew people would want. I would not be able to sleep at night knowing that I was about to put an eight to $10,000 product into the world and I would not have hedge multi-bar. I would not have monitors that are all washed out. I wouldn't have play fields that are pooling and chipping. This is your livelihood. This is your craft. You are asking a lot of all of our livelihoods. We have to make so much money and our livelihoods have to be incredible to support your industry that's not needed in the world. And so if I were in your shoes, I would make sure I got it 100% right. And I don't see that. And I think there's way too many apologists. I think there's way too many people making excuses. And I think all of the excuses land in the same place. Well, if it's fun, it's okay. No, the real world doesn't work like that. When I come up with an idea and I have to go in and talk to a client about a marketing idea, I need to make sure I nail it. I need to make sure everything is thought through, that I think about all the tough questions. I think if someone's playing devil's advocate, how would they pull my idea apart? And I need to go through all of that and make sure I get it right. And the moment I present, I need to make sure I got all of it right. A client's not gonna go to me, oh, Chris, you made the meeting really fun, which I always do. They're, they're not gonna say, oh yeah, you presented it really fun, but it's all wrong. Then I fail. And I think that's some of the problem with pinball. Everything just gets generalized. Like if it's fun, then who cares what the price is? If it's fun, then who cares if the posts are chipping? If it's fun, who cares if the LCD doesn't have pure blacks? If it's fun, then who cares if it's hedge multiball? If it's fun, then who cares if it's Legends of Valhalla? But the truth is, and each of you know this, and this is why you listen to Canada's Pinball Podcast, deep down inside your gut, all of the stuff that doesn't feel right, that's just not sitting right, you feel it, you sense it, you know it. And doing this show now, and now that I have over 200 supporters on Patreon, this is now a little micro livelihood for me. And the more it becomes part of my livelihood, and you guys are investing in me, and I mean this, you're not just investing your time now, you're investing some money in me, and I feel a really strong obligation to continue to make this product better for you. And I know that my product is better for you when I don't hold back, when I don't cut corners, when I don't sugarcoat it because I wanna get someone on my show. Because I'm here helping service your livelihood by keeping these companies honest, by holding them accountable for products. I just want games to come out that are like Godzilla. And I looked at Godzilla yesterday, and I looked at that incredible building mech that they created, and I looked at the game on the line. This is what we want. We want themes that are fun. We want colorful, vibrant worlds under glass. We want mechanisms that show they worked hard at it. We want a game that shoots well. We want all the theme integrated onto the screen and the sounds. Godzilla to me, and I mean this, Godzilla to me, is shaping up to be possibly the best Stern machine ever. And I love seeing it. And every day I see more Godzilla, I get more and more happy and I can't wait to get my LE. And I want that. I want a game that makes me want to do a podcast where I just gush about it for an hour. I don't want to do a show in which I'm complaining about a crappy theme. I don't want to do shows in which I'm complaining about playfields. But if playfield issues do happen, I'm not going to sit by and watch a company send you product for $10,500 with crappy playfields 
And every other single pinball podcast out there says nothing about it because they want to be friends with the company. And I'm not going to be threatened by the pinball company that's saying I'm attacking them because I'm holding them accountable for their own product and their own product's quality. Why would you want to live in a world in which nobody says, hey, something's wrong here. Let's fix it. And here's the good news. All of this can be fixed, but it will never be fixed. And these games will never get better. And you will never get more for your money if everybody just shuts up and sings kumbaya with these manufacturers. And everybody should be looking at Godzilla now. Everybody. And saying, we need more of this. We need more of this. We need more magic like Guns N' Roses with good play fields. Jersey Jack, are you listening to me? Your game is 90% there. If you fix your play fields and maybe make your games a little bit less complex, I got to be honest, I don't need 22 patches, Keith. What are you doing there? Just make it less complex and make the play fields bulletproof. And then you've done it, JJP. Then you're making a product through and through that I think will appeal to everybody, but nobody wants a product that has quality issues in any industry. Nobody. Would you ever buy a product from anyone who's like, yeah, this is great, but there is a quality issue. You'd be like, whoa, wait a minute. What? what, what? Now I'm concerned. This is how I feel. And for all of you who support Canada's Pinball Podcast, I really appreciate it. For all of you who don't support the show, and I mean that, for all of you who don't subscribe, and do anything for the show. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go look at how much all the Twitch streamers make. Okay? How much? And I have just 200. I have like 203 out of 3,000 listeners. Just 203 who actually say, you know what? Like every month, we'll click $5 for you because you're saying something that needs to be said. This show's not even worth 5 bucks to thousands of people who listen to this show on a monthly basis. And these are the same people that are spending thousands of dollars on toppers and hundreds of dollars for like art blades. And I'm just here to tell you, whatever, it's your money. But I'm just saying, I wish there were more shows like this talking about pinball, talking about everything I love, movies, cars, food, whatever it would be. I wish there were more shows like this. So if you do want to contribute, and maybe I did cajole you and sort of shame you into contributing, I don't even care. Just go to Patreon Canada Pinball and show your support because the other side that none of you see is this, the overwhelming, and I mean this, the overwhelming pressure by the industry and my peers in the content creation world, the overwhelming pressure is for me to go away, is for me to shut up, is for me to be canceled. And you see it. They want to say I'm a hypocrite. They want to say this. They want to say that. What they don't want to do, they don't want to have me on their shows to ever talk about this stuff because they're, because they're friends with all the manufacturers or they're selling you stuff or they're going to be a voice in a game, right? I mean, Jeff Teolis is Odin in Legends of Valhalla. Is he going to give you an honest review of Legends of Valhalla? He's in the game. He's in the game. And I get it. Like, Jeff's got a great voice. He should be in these games. But there's just a conflict. There's a conflict. There's just nobody else is holding these companies accountable. Show me who's doing it. Show me who's doing it. I get there are great shows about history. There are great streams about gameplay. There's great conversation happening. But there should be more. There just should be more people saying, for this much money, we deserve this. That is not a really difficult thing. It's when this hobby gets interesting. And when I say this, I mean games that play well, shoot well, everything. I haven't had much sleep, people. I haven't had much sleep. It's been a really rough couple of weeks. You know, being a new dad has been really difficult for me. And as I'm looking at the costs of daycare, 
and the cost of a home and the cost of keeping all of this afloat, it makes me look at pinball differently. I'm still excited. I still want to do shows as much as I can. I mean, it is now 7.18 in the morning and in less than three hours, I'm going to do an hour and a half Saturday morning spectacular for all of you that you will enjoy. And so I really do appreciate all the support and all of you out there who understand how much time I'm sacrificing out of my livelihood to get you entertaining pinball stuff. But I don't normally do shows like this and I'm probably going to take a little bit of a week or two break because I just need it. I just need it. But there's so much happening between now and Expo that I'm probably going to take that break after Expo. I will be at Expo. I look forward to going there. I look forward to hanging out with all of you, and I look forward to playing games and having great conversations. To all the pinball manufacturers out there, your livelihood is in your hands. Every decision you make is yours. For those of you who are buying pinball machines, you should be very thankful you have a livelihood that puts you in a position to buy these machines. I will look out for your livelihood over the livelihood of the companies. I am more focused on the customer than the companies. That is where my allegiance lies. And nothing that I say, nothing I say will ever change the fact that those manufacturers can control the product more than I can. And for those who are selling and distributing pinball machines, I know that's your livelihood. And you are probably having some of the best couple years you've ever had in your livelihood, except for the fact that there's not a lot of product being made. But man, is this hobby growing. And I firmly believe that this hobby will continue to grow. And I firmly believe that shows like mine keep it entertaining on a weekly basis. And yes, I do think that if we lost Canada's Pinball Podcast, it wouldn't be nearly as much fun to follow what's going on in the pinball world on a weekly basis. I happily make this content for all of you. It brings me great joy. And this is a little slice of my livelihood. And now that I do have all of these contributors and the more contributors I make, I promise you this. It is my promise to you. If you donate to this show, I'm going to work extra hard at making this show even better, getting you scoops, getting you rumors, but staying honest because, man, you don't understand the pressure I feel and the sleepless nights I have when I know that once I say this, it's going to be perceived that I'm hurting the livelihood of a manufacturer. That's bogus. Only they can hurt themselves by the decisions they make with their games, all right? Everybody, have an amazing day. Let's do this. Let's all not think about pinball for a day, but I hope you enjoyed this episode. This world's humblest yet best pinball podcast on planet Earth. We'll talk to you soon. Later. By the time you hear this, I'll probably already be outie. I advance like going from toting. I ain't going and buying full five of the homies to Iron Man Audi. My daddy told me, slow down, boy, you're going to blow it. And I ain't got to stop to beat a minute to tell Shady I love him the same way that he did. Dr. Dre on the chronic, tell him how real he is or how high I am or how I would kill for him, for him to know it.